With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fantasy. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome back for another edition of a look ahead Wednesday here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Subscribe if you have not done so already. Get notified whenever we have new content available to you. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review wherever you do because it helps us out a lot. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Brian Scott of the Injured List Podcast. And uh, Brian, thank God we have you this week because we have a ton of injuries between today and tomorrow to go over with you. And it's the fantasy football playoff, so everybody's on edge, man. But how are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Feeling much better. Great. Actually, you sound like yourself. You sound like yourself for the first time since, like, I don't know, September. It's been six (laughs) weeks, I think. Six. (laughs) It is the first half preview of week 15, everybody. We'll be back, of course, tomorrow with 10 p.m. Eastern Clairvoyant Thursday show. Chris will be on there for that one. And, of course, Brian will be there to kick that one off, too. It's, it's a big week. There's a lot of things we have to talk about. It won't just be about player analysis this week. It's also going to be about roster construction, how to make sure you're putting yourselves in the best position to 
block your opponent. This is where gamesmanship really comes into the game. It's not just about, okay, let me stack up my bench with as many hypothetical golden ticket players down the road. Nope, none of that anymore. You want to consolidate and be able to have the room to block your opponent. So we'll get into that as the show goes on as well. But to kick this thing off right, let's get right into the injury inquiries. Injury inquiries. Oh, oh, oh. The first one was a big one. Kyler Murray, ACL. This is brutal, Brian. Yeah, um, the, the, the timing of it couldn't be any worse. I mean, that's unfortunate. It, he's going to miss a significant portion of of next season as well. Um, you know, it really stinks. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, is his contract up this year with Arizona too? Or is he? Oh, no, he just got that big extension. He's getting oh, paid sorry. $40 million a year. Yeah. Okay. My, my bad. Maybe I was misreading, but um, yeah, huge news, uh, non-contact ACL you know, kind of knew right away watching that play as it went down. Um, hopefully nothing other than the ACL was injured. As far as I know, um, there haven't been any reports about any other major structural issues, but either way, you know, you're looking at an, uh, the earliest return probably being sometime in September next season. And that's just, you know, that's being optimistic as we've seen with some of these players over the last couple of years, they tend to take a little bit longer nowadays. Um, just erring on the side of caution, looking more toward their careers ahead of them. And I don't think Kyler Murray's going to be any different being he's a mobile quarterback, um, depends on his legs a lot uh, to help get him, uh, you know, his team to victory. So um, we're, you know, you're poss- possibly looking at almost a year before we see him back. So he's going to miss a big chunk of next year. Yeah, this affected everybody. I mean, not just redraft guys trying to get into their fantasy football playoffs, but dynasty's affected. Next year's redraft is affected. I, I would say there's a better than 90% shot just based on what you just told me there that he's going to start the year on the pop list next year. And oh, yeah, without a doubt. I'm going to predict that without a doubt, we probably don't see him at all in the preseason. I, I would not be surprised if they put him on the physically unreasonable perform list. I think that would be a wise move just because it would take some pressure off him having to come back right away and not, you know, feel pressure to be returned before he's ready. Um, you know, and again, I'm saying at the earliest September, but that's really being optimistic. Uh, you know, I'm looking more toward November, December return. Yeah, it's going to be brutal. And to your point, what does he do best? He relies on his legs. No, so it's going to affect the quarterback like this even more. We know Kyler Murray, not the greatest passer from the pocket. He might be fantasy irrelevant altogether for 2023 as a result of this injury. That's why it's so devastating across the board for him, for the Cardinals, and for all fantasy players. This affects all of us in a big way here. So brutal injury there. We did get some good news on this next guy, though, because it looked like it was season-ending, but maybe not so much. What do you know about Devo Samuel? Well, so, yeah, initially they feared that he might have had a high ankle sprain, but then they, they came out uh, yesterday and they said no. However, he does have an ankle sprain and apparently an MCL injury to the same side on the knee. Um, so I don't know, man, you can toss it up either way. Good thing, bad thing, I, I don't know. Uh, it, they might actually draw equal. I mean one thing might get better quickly, but the other thing might be the thing that slows them down. So it could be uh, three weeks is what they're saying and hoping could end up being more. This could be a season ending injury because initially they thought it was a high ankle sprain. They were saying season ending. Um, But, you know, if this goes past three weeks, I mean, that's pretty much it. So uh, I don't know what they're going to do. Well, I I should clarify. It's good news if you're a 49ers fan because he's actually, he should be back by the playoffs from, from all indications. Uh, for fantasy football, because they're talking about the three-week-ish period, that means championship week he could be back by potentially. 
which means now you can't drop him. Hopefully you have an IR spot. You can store him on there. But then the question is going to become, okay, well, I get the week 17. If he is active, how much are you going to trust to play him? Maybe not at all. But the reason why you don't drop him, don't let your opponent have an opportunity to play him against you just in case because he is Debo Samuel. He comes back and has a full plethora of work that championship week. So he does put you guys in a bind until we know more. Here's what I will say. Logically, to me, it would not make sense for the 49ers to bring him back in the regular season unless they're in a you know, a, a game, a win, a winnable game away from trying to get a second seed and get a first round buy. That that's I mean, not even that. I mean, because you only you only get one buy now. You, so it's just to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs, unless you're to play the Philadelphia Eagles. There's only one team gets the first round buy now. So for me, if, if you're a 49ers, what sense does it make to bring Debo Samuel back week 17, week 18? If it looks like from right now, anyway, you're going to make the playoffs. Now they have to make the play. If they have to win to get in, that's a different story. But if they don't have to win to get in, unless they magically catch the Eagles, I don't see why they bring him back before the postseason. So some things to consider there. I think the chances are very slim. He's back. I totally agree with you on that. I mean, He's been banged up all season. He, you know, he just came off like a quad injury yeah. that he was dealing with. He had a hamstring injury or issue earlier in the year. Um, he hasn't had a, a hundred percent healthy uh, season, at least for a significant stretch of the season this year. So, um, like you said, man, I think if they're looking at the playoffs and looking to do anything in the playoffs, now that they're down to a third string quarterback, you want Debo to be a hundred percent heading into that, you know, those competitions. So. Well, and this is one of the reasons why I wasn't as big on Debo coming into the draft season. Other than last year, he has been injured with some sort of injury every single year going back all the way through college. He's always had something. Last year was the only year he was able to get through pretty much scot-free. It's the only time we've seen it happen. When When that's the case, I don't bank on the aberration year being the norm moving forward necessarily. So I was banking on the idea that Debo's not going to play probably a full 17-game season, and that's kind of what comes to fruition now. And being that he's not an elite wide receiver, he's an elite playmaker, there's a big difference. But now they have Christian McCaffrey, that goes out the window too. So there's a big reason why I was not as big on Debo coming into the draft period. Uh, but let's talk, well, I guess we're sticking with the 49ers. Brock Purdy, oblique injury. He is questionable heading into Thursday. Shanahan saying it's going to be a game-time decision. What do you think? Man, I think if you're Brock Purdy, you're doing everything in your power to get back on that field. I mean, this is your opportunity to to show that you're an NFL-worthy quarterback. You know, th- these opportunities as a third-string quarterback do not come around very often. You've no, got no. to take advantage. I think with an oblique injury, even if it's a mild strain, I think you could he could probably play through it and still be effective. I think we see him. I don't think he's going to let this sit him down. I tend, I tend to agree. I, I tend to agree that he's going to find a way to get into this game. Even, even on Sunday when he was pulled from the game because of the score, Shanahan seemed to make a point that it was not pulled because of the injury. It was because they were already pulling the starter. So from that standpoint, I'm not too concerned about his availability, which is good because he's proven he can get the ball to the guys. He can get the ball to McCaffrey. He can get the ball to Ayuk. We saw what happened when Devo Samuel came out. George Kittle, didn't have a lot of production, but he didn't have five targets. So we know at least with Brock Purdy, he can get the ball to them. If he does not go, it would become Josh Johnson. And then we get even more questionable as far as what we can expect with what would be a practice squad quarterback. And they're, I guess you could say their fourth string quarterback than having to play there. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't look too much into the fact that they sat him those 13 minutes. I mean, they were getting the score was out of reach. 
Um, yeah. it, it was, it, you know, they didn't want to end up on their fourth string quarterback. I think it was more of a precautionary move and a, and a smart move on their part. Give them the, just give them the rest of the game, the rest, let them get you know healthy for this weekend. And I think that don't look too much into that. Yeah. Amazing to me that this is Mr. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant. And now we're talking yeah. about him meeting him, <laughs> meeting him for fantasy now. football They're playoffs. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's ridiculous. Uh, here's a guy that personally I'm, I'm kind of split on. So Kenneth Walker has a foot issue and it's sounding more and more like he's going to play yeah. tomorrow. But uh, as a guy who has a first round buy in the leagues that I have him, I kind of wish he just wouldn't. But it sounds like he's going to go. So what's, what's your expectations yeah. here for Kenneth Walker? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's had some time to rest. Uh, he's been a full participant yesterday and today. Uh, sounds like he hasn't had any setbacks. Um, he's actually been taken off the injury report completely. Um, I, I expect him to, to be good to go. Um, we should see him kind of pick up where he left off. Yeah, it, it's it's sounding up. If you need a walker for your fantasy football playoffs, well, congratulations. You got him back. Uh, <laughs> what about Lamar Jackson and his knee? Any thing developing in your mind there? Well, you know, originally they were saying uh, they were optimistic about possibly having a three-week return. Um, he's not going to be ready this week for sure. Um, I, I had said it's going to be at least three weeks. It may even be a little longer. Um, and when he does come back, we'll likely see him in a brace, and we'll definitely see him – uh, lose a bit, a bit of his mobility. So, um, you know, he didn't practice today. He hasn't practiced basically since the injury. Um, we'll have to see what happens next week as uh, as things kind of head into next weekend, whether he can actually get on the field even in a limited capacity and start working his way back in. But it's going to be, until we see that happen, it's going to be kind of a question mark. Yeah, that, that makes it real difficult, too, because he's been another one that without his mobility, he has been fantasy irrelevant as well. So something we're going to have to watch and, and keep a mindful eye out on. But regardless, I'm with you, Brian. I would not suspect to see him this week. Uh, what about his backup, Tyler Huntley? He did get some work in practice today, but he's going through concussion protocol. Yeah, so uh, he was a limited participant in um, practice today. And, um, you know, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean much. It really comes down to whether or not he's on a concussion protocol, which he still is. So even if he gets a full practice in until he's cleared, um, he can't play. But, you know, you, you got to see him at least get a full practice in. It's it's not going to happen if he can only be limited the rest of the week. So pay attention to the Thursday, Friday. And remember, they, they play on Saturday. This, oh, that's this week, right. Yes, they play on Saturday. So, so it, it, even it, more it important. moves up the timeline even more. Yep, right. yep exactly. Um, I, I will say this, though, for the record, uh, John Harbaugh, he seems pretty optimistic about the chances of Tyler Huntley uh, getting cleared. So take that for what you will. Uh, Jeff Wilson, he's dealing with a hip issue, did not practice today. What did you see there? Not really sure exactly what's going on. This could be a hip pointer, which is similar. To, um, a couple other players had this earlier in the year, where it's basically just a contusion to the um, the bones in the, the bony pelvis there in the hip. Um, I didn't get much more information though, so I'm not really sure what to make of it. Um, and like we said, I think the Dolphins play on Saturday as well, right? They're playing. Um, uh, are they playing Miami Ravens? Buffalo? I believe does play on Saturday. My, yeah, Miami Buffalo does play okay. on Saturday. Yeah, so you know that's another one. You know, he didn't. Uh, he's had two days of no practice so far this week. So unless we see him do anything uh, tomorrow, it's not very likely he's going to be suited up. Uh, what about Corey Davis? You have any updates on him? Did not practice today, still in concussion protocol. Again, without seeing him doing anything, even in a limited fashion, uh, you're not going to advance through the concussion protocol until you can actually get in the field and start doing stuff. So not a good sign. A lot of concussion protocol injuries. Here's another one for you. Can he yep. pick it? Um, so he was limited in practice today. But again, 
until we see him get through a full practice, he's not going to be able to be cleared. Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky shared some of the workload working with the first team offense. So my guess is that they're they're gonna they're basically not expecting him to be cleared. Although if they're playing Sunday, there is a chance. I mean, we got to see what happens the next two days. Yeah, we'll we'll get into the whole uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Mason Rudolph sharing first team reps uh, later on today's show because that's <laughs> that's a story in and of itself. Uh, then we got last but not least for today's show, at least uh, DJ Moore dealing with the ankle, but full participant practice today. I think I saw. Yeah, so probably just a low ankle sprain. Um, not too concerning. Um, you know, I, I think we'll see him out there. Um, getting through a limited practice it means to me that he's not having a, a lot of swelling. Um, probably not having too much uh, setbacks. And he'll probably play with it braced up or taped up, um, but we should see him. All right, there you go. Brian, thanks so much for coming on, man. We got a pretty much twice the size list tomorrow, so we'll have a lot of action for you tomorrow. Make sure you guys tune back in for that. What do you got coming up for the rest of this week, and where should we follow you at? Well, we should have another Inside the Medical 10 article coming out. We we got back at it last week with uh, week 14. Uh, should have another one coming up this week. Um, I'm sure you'll see a lot of the players we talked about here tonight, maybe a little more in-depth. Um, and then, you know, just look for me on Twitter at host Brian Scott. I'll be doing some injury updates as the week progresses. Um, I will be out of town next week. We'll be celebrating uh, Christmas a little early. We'll be taking a vacation, so I won't be able to access uh, my accounts, um, which, which is not a bad thing necessarily. Uh, so, but I'll be back the following week uh, in time for Christmas uh, break, so you can uh, catch me catch me back there. Um, otherwise, not much else going on. We'll, we'll, we'll see you again tomorrow night, though. We can uh, update guys from there, too. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do need a little break sometimes from the yeah. accounts. Trust, trust me, I know. But the most important thing is we'll have you back for championship week. So that, that's I right, think that matters right. more so than anything else. Uh, Brian, thank you for your time. As always, my man, we will talk to you tomorrow night. All right, my pleasure, Dan. Again, that is Brian Scott of the Injured List Podcast. Make sure you download it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Great guy, covers football, basketball, baseball, because he does all the sports. So make sure you get in with him and follow him on social media. If you have any questions about your guys and their injuries, he can give you a great synopsis on what their timelines may or may not be. So again, Brian Scott at host Brian Scott on social media. Okay, so now we got a preview, our first half of week 15. And it's here. And it's such a difference between week 15 and week 14, not because it's the regular season going into the fantasy football playoffs, but because you we don't have 16s on by. So we have all of our options. All the options that are healthy to us are, are here. They're available. So you'll see in the rankings, guys start to fall into more familiar places. But with the caveat of, A lot of teams this part of the season are playing much differently. No surprise there. That happens every single year than what they were early on in the year. Defenses have taken an upswing. Some have gone falling down. Players are on different hot streaks. Players are dealing with different things. So there's a lot to break down to. It's not going to be the same exact names you would come to expect throughout the season that you have on our list today. Our first four matchups for this episode will be, of course, the Thursday night game between the 49ers and the Seahawks. Finally, we get a good Thursday night game to talk about. And then we have the three Saturday games we're going to kick off the show with. That'll be the Colts against the Vikings, the Ravens against the Browns, and the Dolphins against the Bills on Saturday night. So keep that in mind. Saturday night, three matchups, a lot of heavy fantasy football implications in those matchups. So, yes, one 
That means I'll have my rankings available to you guys, or at least my final draft of my rankings available to you guys on BillyFantasySports.com earlier than I normally would. Usually I have my rankings out now, like I do. If you go check them out, it's like the early week rankings. And then Friday night, I usually do a little a little uh, tweaking. And then Sunday morning, I have my final rankings ready for you guys to go. Well, we'll be moving that up. It'll be Friday night. I'm putting out like my final rankings for Saturday. And then Sunday, we'll do a little tweaking with with players that are left over with whatever, whatever injuries that we come into co- contact with. But make sure you're paying attention to that. Three games on Saturday. A couple couple things you want to keep a note of. If you have a player playing earlier in the week and you know they're going to start them no matter what, try to move them out of your flex position. That That's the number one thing I can tell you. Always, when a player is playing early in the season, early in the week, make sure they're not in your flex position if you already know for sure you're going to play them. Now, if it's a, if it's a player you have a question mark about, you're like, you're not sure if you're going to play him or not, then may- maybe you wind up leaving him in the flex position. But make sure if you get to the point where that game is about to kick off and you know, for instance, this, the, the, the calls, let's say you know, for instance, you're going to play Michael Pittman and he's in your flex. Take him out of your flex, move him into your wide receiver spot. That's the number one thing. Make sure you have options available to you at all times. And uh, we got Brian's, we got, I'm pausing here. Sorry about that. Brian Scott from the Angeles podcast might've made a mistake on Huntley. He's got an update for us here. It's all posted up on the video concussion upgraded from limited to full. So Tyler Huntley was a full participant in practice today. Very good chance. We will see him uh, on. And again, that's a game on Saturday. So that has big implications that we're about to get into. So let's dive into our obvious starters. We'll talk about some, you know, uh, playoff strategies as we go along here. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Okay, obviously you start Josh Allen at the quarterback position. No surprise there. Yes, I do have Josh Allen, my number one QB. Yes, I am aware that he's on a bit of a cold streak as of late. Not worried about it clearly heading into this game. He's still the guy who has the potential to throw 300 yards and rush for 100, and very few quarterbacks, including Jalen Hurts, who's on a hot streak right now, have the ability to do that. Okay, I'm playing Josh Allen no matter what against Miami. I know Miami gave him a hard time the first time around, but usually we get two different types of divisional games, right? We get the one divisional game where it's close and a low score, and everybody's wondering where the offense is, and then we get the other one where it's high-flying shootout season, that could be the game we get on Saturday, potentially. But regardless, Josh Allen, number one QB. We move on to the running back position. I got Christian McCaffrey set at the RB2, playing against Seattle, who is now second only to Houston as far as fantasy points given up to the running back position. I got Jonathan Taylor at RB7 with a great match against Minnesota. That's also making you happy to have these RB1s in terrific matchups for you. Dalvin Cook, on the flip side of that, coming in my RB9. Yes, I suspect he will be getting the more than 1.5 yards per carry uh, this week. I would hope so, at least. And then, of course, the guy I want to highlight of this group, Nick Chubb. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Who does come into my RB5? He's a great running back. You're going to play him. We have to acknowledge the fact that the last two games with Deshaun Watson have not been that good. And it is the fourth worst matchup for a running back to have going up with the Baltimore Ravens. Having said that, it's not like Kareem Hunt has taken over. In fact, Kareem Hunt's usage has lessened as the year has gone on. I don't know. Again, I don't know why they didn't trade him. It doesn't make any sense to me, but we don't have to worry about that. We know this Browns team has to run the football. And Nick Chubb, although the Ravens are tough against the running backs, has a history of letting up the Ravens anyway. I'm not worried about this. He's still going to be an RB1 for me. You're not overthinking Nick Chubb in your fantasy football playoffs. But it was something we had to acknowledge because some people are sitting there. And again, I talked about this last week. We'll probably talk about it throughout the week today. People lose their minds when it gets to the fantasy playoffs. Because it is one or done. You're not playing long term, right? It's easy for me as the analyst to say, play the process And over the long run, the process will do you right. But then you're thinking like, well, we're not, we're not long-term anymore. It's, it's do or die season. And sometimes we have really great players like Nick Chubb who are in the middle of cold streaks heading into the playoffs. You'll have a tendency to overthink because you don't want to be like, oh, I should have known like he hasn't been doing anything. I should have took him out. And that's why I lost. Don't worry about it. You play your studs. The process still prevails as the main way that you want to start set your lineups because that it's still the probability. That's what the process is. The proper process puts you in position for the likelier probability of the player you chose in your start set position to, you know, perform better. So yes, it is a one or done situation. The process is you're playing Nick Chubb. Don't worry about it. Obvious starter. And I'm confident in him, especially with his history against the Baltimore Ravens. On the wide receiver side, of course, we're starting uh, Justin Jefferson, who is my wide receiver one of the week. Stephon Diggs, another guy coming in a little bit cold. Didn't have a great week last week. The Miami Dolphins are a great matchup, especially for a guy like Stephon Diggs, which Xavier Howard has proven already in the past. He can't cover him. He's my wide receiver two on the week. Tyreek Hill. While he's been dealing with an ankle issue, sounds like he'll still be okay and good to go. He comes in my wide receiver for even a tough match against Buffalo because he's just been absolutely tremendous this season. I I would like it a little bit better if Miami was actually in Miami rather than Buffalo, but you know, you're playing Tyreek Hill no matter what. We have no we have no worries there. Now, tight end, while these guys are my obvious starters at the tight end position, it does get a little bit interesting from this standpoint. So first up, George Kittle, my tight end four. And 
I know it probably, I feel like I sound like a broken record on this one. And I probably do sound like a broken record when it comes to George Kittle because I've consistently had him ranked inside my top five. And what have I kept saying? Well, it's due to talent and due to the putridness of the rest of the tight end group. That analysis stays true again this week. But here's the other thing I'll add in Seattle, second best matchup for a tight end to have fantasy football wise. You have to play them. You have to play them. And with Debo out, there should be some target consolidation heading George Kittle's way. What did we talk about when Brock Purdy first took over? What was his favorite areas of the field? Middle and short. And I said, I was like, look, that's going to, it's going to help boost, if you will, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. Well, it was boosting both those players until Debo went down. And then what happened? Well, Kittle got five targets. That's respectable, considering that he has not been very consistent with his usage. Brian Ayuk, who we'll talk about later in the show, still didn't get a ton of targets in the game. You have to play George Kittle against the Seattle Seahawks. He has the upside that is rivals that any tight ends, including Travis Kelsey. And now the situation that dictates he should at least see a floor of a volume of five-plus targets in this game. It should happen. So play George Kittle. TJ Hawkinson, he actually comes to my number two tight end because that's how Travis Kelsey, while he hasn't been lighting it up, he hasn't been getting the touchdowns you necessarily want. The targets, the floor is there. There are very few tight ends that are more trustworthy than the TJ Hawkinson floor that you're going to get right now. And he actually comes to my tight end too because everybody else that I would normally have there, a la Mark Andrews, has a bit of a question mark around them right now. Now, Mark Andrews, let's not get this twisted here, is coming in at my tight end three. And the news that Brian Scott just gave us in the beginning of the show, talking about the fact that he was upgraded to a full participant in practice at this point in the week, is a pretty good sign that Tyler Huntley will be able to play. That's very important when it comes to Mark Andrews. We illustrated last week why I was getting confidence again in Mark Andrews because of Huntley and his previous 10 target per game average that we saw until last week when Tyler Huntley got injured. And I know it's been brutal, but I don't care. Huntley's going to be out there. Mark Andrews, kind of like George Kittle. The talent's there. Who are you going to bench him for? I'll put up the graphic again if you're watching on the video. Are you going to bench him for David Njoku, for Jailed Everett, for Greg Dolchich, for Darren Waller, for Evan Ingram? No, absolutely not. And those are the type of guys that you would maybe, if you're lucky even, have an option to pivot to if you already have a Mark Andrews. They're not going to do that. Play Mark Andrews, and if Tyler Huntley plays, he's got a legitimate shot of getting double-digit targets. Not to mention, the Titan, the, uh, the the matchup here is not bad. Not bad at all. The Cleveland Browns, 10th most points at the tight end position. So there you go. Play Mark Andrews. That does it for our obvious starters. Let's move into our lock em in plays for these matchups. Lock them in. It's a lock. Funny enough, for these four games at least anyway, I only have two lock them in players, and they're both wide receivers, and they're both on the same team. That would be the Seattle Seahawks wide receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, both coming in as wide receiver ones for me this week. Top 12 plays. Tyler Lockett actually is top 10. He comes to my number nine. For this week. And I know you're thinking to yourself, like, wait a minute, aren't they playing the San Francisco 49ers? A tough divisional game on Thursday night? And the answer is yes, absolutely. While the 49ers 
how are the number one defense against the running backs while they're top six against the quarterbacks. The one position they have been letting eat is the wide receivers. They're actually 24th in fantasy points allowed to the wide receivers right now. So a good matchup, especially from wide receivers that work in the slot. They've been able to expose the 49ers over the middle part of the field, which is why this benefits Tyler Lockett a little bit more, which is why I have him ranked two spots ahead of DK Metcalf. They're going to have to lean on the passing game to move the ball with Kenneth Walker or not. It does not matter either way. Seattle to move the ball against San Fran is going to have to do it through the air with their two studly wide receivers. Now, whether that's consistent, is there a floor of a scenario where maybe the pass rush winds up being too much for Geno Smith and it gets shut down that way? Of course there is. But that's been the case for anybody playing against San Fran. Look at what happened two weeks ago against Tua Tagovailoa and what they did to him. Now, yes, that squandered Jalen Waddle who got banged up in that game. That was partly to do with it as well. But Tyreek Hill had one of his best games of the year. So in spite of the offense doing terrible, the quarterback doing terrible, the running game doing nothing, you still had the wide receiver get his. Wide receivers get theirs against San Fran. Don't forget that. So don't have any fear there. Play these two guys as you have been all season long. All right, with that, let's go to our lookout for Because again, those are only lock them in players for those slate of matchups. Look out for... It was funny that I had already mentioned him. Tua Tagalovoa comes in my lookout for, and he is not inside my top 12 this week. He comes in a QB 13 for me at this point in the week. And I just, I have questions. I have red flags. I've raised them during the Sunday Funday recap. We've seen two different ways now to make Tua incredibly uncomfortable over the past two weeks. San Fran did it with an overwhelming pass rush when they didn't have Teron Armstead. Last week, it wasn't necessarily an overwhelming pass rush. It was a schematically take away the middle of the field defense, and it worked to perfection. Either way, Tua wasn't good. And now this week, Teron Armstead picked up another injury. It's very questionable if Armstead's going to play. Who are they playing against? The Buffalo Bills who could beat them either by clogging the middle of the field or with an overwhelming pass rush. They could be like a combo of the last two weeks. I don't know in the fantasy football playoffs what we've seen out of Tua with the defensive matchup and the fact that he might not have his left tackle. I don't know how you play Tua in your fantasy football playoffs as a starting quarterback this week. And that's why I have him ranked as a top 13 guy, not inside my top 12. He would be a bench for me this week. Uh, some guys that I have ahead of him that maybe is available to you. Uh, Tyler Huntley, I do have him as 11. Trevor Lawrence at 10. Kirk Cousins at 9. Mike White at 8. We'll talk more about that. I believe that's tomorrow's show when we talk about the Jets. I have all those guys ranked ahead of Tua Tagalavoa this week. We'll talk more about why later. Oh, not yet. So the moving on there, talking about Kirk Cousins. He comes my QB 9. You play him against Indianapolis, he's low on QB1. That's who he is. He had a great game against Detroit last week. He plays really well in two situations, at home or in a dome. Well, guess what? He's going to be in that situation this week against the Indianapolis Colts at home in Minnesota. So you play Kirk Cousins, a low in QB1. He's got a high floor. Maybe he doesn't have the same ceiling as some of these other guys, but he has the high floor. So you play him more... We're playing him as a top 10 guy. And then Tyler Huntley. 
So we already got the all clear, basically, from Brian Scott that we expect him to play. Last week, of course, you got burned. That's because he got injured. That has nothing to do with his productivity. He gets er- injured early in the first half last week. And yet he still had already rushed nine times for 31 yards in the first half. Without the, with a quarter, within a quarter, quarter and a half, quarter and some change. Tyler Huntley already had nine rushes for 31 yards. That was my whole analysis on him. That's why I had him ranked as a top 12 quarterback last week. He's going to run. He offers a big floor because of how much he's going to run. Last time I checked, Cleveland Browns one of the best matchups to run on, whether you're a quarterback or running back. So I'm playing Tyler Huntley as a top 12 guy as long as he's clear from concussion. And if you're saying, well, what if we're worried about him taking hits because he just got clear from concussion? That's what he can do. You're not going to ask a guy like Tyler Huntley to be a pocket passer. What he does is scramble. What he does is on the move. So I don't care if he's coming off the concussion. That's what he does. That's what he has to do. So I got him as a top 11 quarterback this week. He is a streaming option of the week for me. Let's go to our lookout for running backs. Kenneth Walker. Okay, so we do know, practiceful yesterday, practiceful today. Brian Scott, give him the all clear, expects him to go tomorrow night. Now, right now, I got Kenneth Walker ranked at RB22. And before you ask me, is that where you have him ranked because of injury and not knowing where he was going to be at? My answer to you is no. My rank of him at 22 is where I would have had him, or is where I have him all week, expecting him to play in this game. San Francisco is not just the number one defense against the running back position. They're the number one defense against the running back position by a freaking landslide. And I don't know how a guy goes from not practicing at all last week, having to sit out the game, and a pivotal game, by the way, because Seattle's trying to jostle for division and playoff appearances. And then it's suddenly going to be 100% this week against a really tough defense. Oh, a guy, by the way, had been inefficient the last couple of weeks before getting injured. Touchdowns were bailing him out. He's still an RB2. He's still in my top 24. You're still probably going to have to play him because he does have the touchdown upside. But don't expect this to be an efficient game for Kenneth Walker. And again, I go back to the primary way the Seattle Seahawks will have to move the balls through the air. Now, if he is actually 100% healthy... He had been taking over more and more in that workhorse role and getting the passing game at the help boost his floor a little bit. But it is a short week. So while maybe he's healthy now, they might not be giving him the full workload on a short week necessarily. So maybe we'll see Travis Homer more on two-minute drill on passing down situations. That'll take some of that away. It's a possibility. I don't know. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen because Kenneth Walker had taken over that role, but it's a possibility. So keep that in mind. But that's why he comes in my RB22. Not expecting a high ceiling game, but ultimately probably still in your lineup anyway. Then we get to J.K. Dobbins. What a game J.K. Dobbins had last week. And now the question has to be answered, well, what do you do with him this week? Well, my answer to that, at least as of now, is to rank him as an RB23, a low-end RB2, and therefore most likely in your lineups. Physically, he looked great. Had over eight yards of carry, went over 100 yards, Absolutely fantastic. It's the third best matchup a running back could have going up against the Cleveland Browns. Also terrific. Here's some of the downfall. 
Gus Edwards still had 13 carries to his 15. The other downfall is that any running back for the Baltimore Ravens that's gone over 100 yards has not been able to duplicate it once this entire season. Now, they haven't had everybody healthy at the same time. Like This was really the first week we saw J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards not just be healthy going into the week, but actually be healthy coming out of the week. So there is something to be said for that. And the fact that Dobbins physically looked as good as he did does give you some hope that maybe he's over the hump with the ACL injury. And we know that he can be a very special running back if that's also the case. But just be weary of it. Most of his production came once Tyler Huntley was out, who was taking away some of that volume for the backs. Kind of what Lamar Jackson sometimes does. Sometimes he ostracizes his volume chances to his running back position. It's no different with Tyler Huntley. He's still in RB2. It's a great matchup, and he looks fantastic, and I would be excited and happy to start him. I just want to be a little bit leery of you guys. If you're looking at J.K. Dobbins, thinking to yourself, oh, I got a guy who's going to get me 16, 18 fantasy points, no doubt about it this week. That might lead you to play maybe a more safe-ish floor type of flex play when in reality you might have to take more of a shot because Dobbins doesn't that's more Dobbins than ceiling still, not necessarily his average or his floor. I don't want you to make the wrong roster construction decision based on that. Not saying that necessarily playing the floor guy in the flex, even when Dobbins is your RB2 is a bad decision. It all depends. But just something to keep in mind. It is a good situation for him, though, and I was very happy to see him out there. I've always been a big J.K. Dobbins fan. The other guy to look out for is Devin Singletary. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that at this point in your fantasy football playoffs, with, with, with all the options back because nobody's on bye, I'm hoping you have better options than anybody in the Buffalo backfield. Because you never know who's going to get the work. That much that was proven last week. We thought it was going to be James Cook. Have been training that way for the past couple of weeks. And they pivot off. And, well, two things happen. They pivot off. They go Devin Singletary leads the way. And also, uh, Josh Allen did Josh Allen things like be the leading rusher, which we could see again against Miami. That's always a threat to happen, too. So he comes in my RB35, but hopefully you have another option to pivot to other than Devin Singletary because the floor, unfortunately, can be rock bottom. Here's another guy we got to look out for that is really a shame because he's been one of the horses that probably got you to the fantasy football playoffs to begin with. And that's Jalen Waddle. He comes in my wide receiver 20. That's the lowest I've had him ranked since like week one. He gets, he got banged up. He's been banged up last couple of weeks dealing with the leg issue. So that, that's of course is always concerning. The other problem is, is the quarterback play over the last couple of weeks. When Tua doesn't play well, it doesn't hinder Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill is the number one featured part of that offense. Remember Kyle Shanahan days, even when they didn't have the greatest of quarterbacks, I'm talking about backups, Jimmy G all the years he was hurt. They still got that, whoever that number one receiver was that year, he still got the ball one way or another. Mike McDaniel's doing the same thing with Tyreek Hill. Tua Tagalavoa only completed 10 passes last week. Hill still got 81 yards and a touchdown. Just to illustrate that point. But who suffered? Jalen Waddle. Now, of course, like I said, part of that's the injury. But the other part of that, he's secondary to Tyreek Hill. So if two is not going to be efficient, Waddle could be in for a long day. 
It's hard for me to rank him any lower than 20, though. So probably you'll have him as a wide receiver, too. And I'm not going to doubt you for it. It only takes one play with him. So that's the good news. And being that he's one of the guys that you're leaning on to get you there in the first place, even with the bad matchup, it's hard to say, let's take Waddle out of your lineup altogether. Put up the graphic again. I got him sitting at wide receiver 20. Who do I have right behind him? Juju Smith-Schuster, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams. These are all guys with low four, high ceiling ratios in their own right. So why not go with the guy that got you there? So Jalen Wild coming out wide receiver 20, but still in your lineups for this week. What about Brandon Ayuk, who I actually have a little bit higher? Got him at wide receiver 17 this week. Part of it, yes, the easy analysis, Devo Samuel's not there, should lead to more target share. I am a little bit concerned about that, though, because when Debo got hurt, well, we only saw three targets out of Brandon Ayuk after that, which, by the way, was only three targets of the game because he wasn't targeted at all before Debo got out of there. And that goes back to our analysis from last week on Brock Purdy. He's not an outside-the-hashes-throwing type of quarterback. That's not what he does. So if the options are there, he's going to go to the ones that are in the middle, short part of the field. Now, with Debo Samuel out, though, Brandon Ayuk tends to you know tends to run a lot more slants when Debo's not there. And he'll have to be featured as the main wide receiver. So that's going to have to be part of this. And I do think it allows him to have, I have projected here, at least a safe floor of six to eight targets against Seattle. And again, it's going to have a lot of ramifications on it. That should put him in the ballpark of getting 80 yards. The question will be, does he score? Which makes him a wide receiver two heading into this matchup. And why I got him as a wide receiver 17. And you can play with him with some confidence. I also got Michael Pittman coming at wide receiver 18. Love the match against Minnesota and the volume that he's been getting as long as Matt Ryan is the starting quarterback. And then we got Amari Cooper. And I'll, I'll lump Amari Cooper and, and DPJ in here together. I got Cooper at 22. I got DPJ at 28. Now, I know Cooper's been fantastic on the road this season so far. And I don't worry about him against the Baltimore Ravens or anything like that. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner physically we have to see where Mari Cooper is didn't practice today I'm a little I'm, I'm not too worried about his availability Sunday given that he played a full plethora of snaps on Sunday even though going into that matchup they were reporting that he could be limited that didn't wind up being the case at all he played 60 plus snaps in that game I, I think he played I think it was 97 percent of the snaps is what it wound up being at the end of it not worried about his availability necessarily because there wasn't any reported setbacks for him but physically, he did not look like himself. He did not look explosive the entire game. So if that's going to be the case, you are dealing with a risky situation heading into this matchup. However, Baltimore is a plus matchup, 27th against the wide receiver position. So you, you like that much. Deshaun Watson played a much better game last week. Still wasn't good. So I want to illustrate that point, and we'll talk about Deshaun Watson because I still have him outside my top 12, not a guy I want to start this week. We'll talk about the Be Cautious segment, but still was better, competent enough where we're like, okay, we can have some confidence in these wide receivers again. 
So that's why Cooper still is my wide receiver too. He's been so good so far this season. It's still a good matchup. Physically, I'd like to him get a full practice in before the weekend, before Saturday. I don't know if that's going to happen. On the flip side of that, DPJ coming off a nice game. That's where I really get happy about Watson having played a much better ball game last week. Because now DPJ went from, I don't know if he has fantasy value because the quarterback play was so bad to, okay, we're good. We're back to where we were, which Kobe Brissett at least, maybe even more so. Today, Kevin Stefanski talking about Deshaun Watson is going to get more aggressive down the field. They're going to make that a point of emphasis. Well, what did I talk about leading up for weeks into the fantasy football playoffs in the waiver wire segment? What did we talk about every Tuesday? DPJ, who had been hovering just under that 50% mark of availability, I kept saying pick him up because he could be Deshaun Watson's Will Fuller if Watson starts going down the field more consistently. That's why I got DPJ, my wide receiver 28, also could have even higher floor. It could boost him up even higher in my rankings if it sounds like Amari Cooper is not going to be 100%. Another lookout for wide receiver, I do not have him inside the top 36, and that would be Gabe Davis. I thought he might still be there because it is a good match against Miami. He's still been the water as bad as he's been. He's still been the wide receiver 29 since week eight. He's only scored two touchdowns in that time period, but he's still been the wide receiver 29 since week eight. Very, very weird to come up with that stat. Doesn't give me any extra confidence in him. It's an above average matchup against the Miami Dolphins. There always is that possibility for the bomb touchdown. He is the ultimate home run threat or bust player. But the fact is, he's been busting far more than he's been hitting since week eight. I think at this point in time, there has to be a better option. I would say for floor option, like a DPJ, for instance, who might still be available depending on what league you're in, than to play Gabe Davis this week. I don't want to take that chance. So we went to our tight ends. My lookout for tight end, David Ujoku, comes into my tight end eight. It was excellent to see him get back involved. Now, the one thing I'm worried about is if Amari Cooper is good, <laughs> that could take away from David Ujoku to some degree. But look at the tight ends. I'll put the graphic back up there again. Look at what's surrounding him. I got David Ujoku, Jared Everett, Greg Dolchich, Darren Waller potentially coming back off the IR. Evan Ingram, we'll talk about him later. He's in that range of tight ends. I got some confidence in David Njoku compared to those names that you're going to be playing as your low-end tight end ones. So that does it for a lookout for. Let's talk about some of our be cautious of players this week. Be cautious of. Okay, so be cautious of Deshaun Watson. He comes into my QB 14. So I don't want to play him. He's not a starter to me. He's not inside my top 12. Improvement in every metric across the board from his first start to his second start last week. Great. Awesome. Still well below average in every metric across the board when it comes to actual quarterback play. That's why I'm not ready to sit here and anoint Deshaun Watson suddenly back. So don't play him. Don't trust him in your fantasy football playoffs, please. You you got through to this point without him for the majority of the season. Go back to whether option you were using. Not, not trying to play Gus Edwards. He's not inside my top 36 either. With Gus, it's just it's such a low floor. If he doesn't score, his odds of getting 100 yards... <laughs> excuse me, with J.K. Dobbins back is next to none. 
his touchdown odds get reduced significantly again with J.K. Dobbins back and Tyler Huntley, by the way, too, being back there. Maybe he's got a floor of 50 to 70 yards. You need more than that in your fantasy football playoffs because he doesn't catch you the ball either. Kareem Hunt. I don't know why I saw Kareem Brown. <laughs> they don't use him. They do not use him. Kareem Hunt, definitely off the list. I don't know why he, I don't even know why he'd be on anybody's list, frankly, at this point. And then we get into the Miami backfield. And this is what we had to highlight for the be cautious of. I don't have Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert inside my top 36. And no, to answer your question, I will not have Raheem Mostert inside my top 36, even if Jeff Wilson gets ruled out. Now, Buffalo is the 10th worst matchup you could have for a running back for fantasy football to begin with. But the last two weeks, 12 carries on average the last two weeks for the running back position for the Dolphins as a whole. I talked about this during the Sunday Funday recap. Where's the running game, Mike McDaniel? I know that hasn't been your staple this season. You've been a pass-first team. That's fine. But the running game at least is a factor. It's in the game plan. It's there to help get pass uh, play-action opportunities for Tua Tagovailoa, who's excellent out of play-action. You know what he's not excellent at? When teams can just pin their ears back and go and they know the pass is coming. If you don't have that second hesitation, that little misdirection, this whole offense is a totally different ball game. And I know it's been tough. You had San Francisco, a banged-up offensive line. But for the running game to not even be a factor or seemingly even part of the game plan against the Chargers, that's where I'm worried. That's where I become worried as far as what's the play calling, what, where was the, what's the play calling doing for that game? Mike McDaniel's been phenomenal. And everybody's talked about how this really smart, you know, nerdy-looking guy has been lighting up the league. And it's been fun to watch. I'm not trying to knock the guy, but the past couple of weeks, dude, the running game still has to be part of the game plan. And when I don't see it be part of the game plan against the Chargers, that's when we have some problems. And before you start telling me, well, they had to come back from behind, they were never down by more than two scores against the Chargers. It should have never been enough to take them, make them one-dimensional. Other than maybe Mike McDaniel is just falling a little too much in love with his passing game. And you're going to look at Buffalo, and you're going to say to yourself, well, this is a tough match to run the ball against, too. So maybe he falls to the same pattern he's fallen into the past three weeks. I hope not. Look, even if the running game is not effective, you still need it to open up the play action, which is what that passing attack is built off of. It's what two is built off of. Regardless, I'm not playing Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert. And I still will not have Raheem Mostert, most likely. He might, maybe he cracks my top 36. Because I could see myself putting him ahead of Devin Singletary, who I have at 35, if he's going to get all the work. So maybe, maybe he'll crack my top 36 of Jeff Wilson's out. But I'm not going to want to go there. I'm going to want to avoid it, if at all possible. You're not playing James Cook. Why trust a Buffalo running back if you can all help, especially not the guy who had less carries last week? We're not playing Paris Campbell. We're not playing Alec Pierce. Michael Pittman's the only guy I trust to get the volume on a consistent basis. And we're not playing Adam Thielen. This is the second worst matchup a wide receiver can have, particularly a wide receiver who has to play the perimeter, which is what Adam Thielen has become. Remember the days where Adam Thielen was like a a big slot receiver? He took advantage of that and was interchangeable with Stephon Diggs. Those days are done. That is the Justin Jefferson role now. 
and almost exclusively. So Thielen is a pretty good shot. He's going to see Stephon Gilmore more than Justin Jefferson will. And that's the problem. And Thielen, you know, he's locked the ceiling all year. He hasn't been the touchdown guru that he had been in seasons past. That's finally regressed to a more expected level. So I don't know how you play Adam Thielen. He's not inside my top 36 in this week. You're not playing Demarcus Robinson. You're not playing Devin Duvernay. You can't trust any pass catchers not named Mark Andrews or Tyler Huntley at the quarterback position. We're also not playing Dawson Knox. It is I know it's Miami, and he actually is ranked inside my top 15, and I don't mind taking a shot on Dawson Knox in DFS leagues, but if you're fantasy football players for a guy who too routinely just gets left out of the offense, no matter what the matchup is, there's no way he's cracking my top 12 this week. All right, with that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, I got four more matchups to talk about with you on this look ahead Wednesday, our first half fantasy football preview of week 15. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's fantasy football show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Bader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show on this Look Ahead Wednesday, our first half preview of Week 15, the first week of the Fantasy Football Playoffs. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Subscribe if you have not done so already, or just follow the show, actually, and or, I should say. Follow the show and download us on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date on the go. Give us that five-star review. It really helps us out. So we just talked about our first four matchups, the Thursday night and the three Saturday games. I can't emphasize that enough. Make sure you're aware that there are three Saturday games this week when you're looking at your lineups and trying to figure out when you need to make these start-sit decisions. Uh, also, make sure you're following us on social media, at Show. We'll keep you up to date with player news notifications. Also, 
get those rankings for you. So when you need to make those immediate star set decisions, you got something to go off of. When you go to BillyUpFantasySports.com, look for the rankings tab. You'll have my name and a couple other guys from Billy Up Fantasy, like Jason Cooper and Chase Thornton, guys who have been excellent all year long. So make sure you check us out there, too. We'll be able to help you out. So our next four matchups we're going to talk about in the second segment of today's show. We got the Eagles against the Chicago Bears, the Falcons against the Saints, the Lions against the Jets, and the Steelers against the Carolina Panthers. So I was I was corrected. I, I thought the Jets were tomorrow. We are talking about that game today. Good. I'm glad. We have a lot to talk about with that. So let's dive right into our obvious starters of the week. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Yeah, obviously, Jalen Hurts is in your lineup. How awesome is he right now? And I do have my QB2, but you want to make him your QB1, Josh Allen QB2. That's just a preference thing, for, in my opinion, right there. Uh, great. Awesome. They're both fantastic. Uh, let's go to the... Well, I don't have any obvious starts the running back position, necessarily, for these matchups. At wide receiver, though, obviously, you're starting the Browns. You're starting A.J. Brown. You're starting St. Amon Ross St. Brown. I got... A.J. Brown at wide receiver seven this week. Amon Ross St. Brown at wide receiver eight. Both are fantastic. Both have good matchups. I guess with St. Brown, we'll mention this. While Detroit seems to be a different team on the road, especially offensively, he's not. He's going to get his volume no matter what. And since they've gotten healthier, well, he's just gotten more open. So St. Brown against the Jets, that's fine. What are the Jets best at? The perimeter corners. They take the perimeter receivers away. St. Brown gets to move all around the field. He'll get to go over the middle. That's where you can attack this Jets defense right now. So St. Brown will be just fine. And he's an obvious starter for us this week. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into our lock them ins then. Because that's all we got for the, our obvious starters. Lock them in. It's a lock. We're locking in Justin Fields, believe it or not, as a QB Seven. I know the matchup is against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm well aware. And I know that it's the worst matchup or one of the worst matchups a quarterback can possibly have. I understand that. We haven't seen the Eagles play against a quarterback like Justin Fields. Well, frankly, like a clone of their own quarterback. And that's where it'll be interesting. What can Fields give you on the ground? Because that's, that's what we care about. We don't, we don't care about the passing attack. In fact, I don't know how many passing weapons he's even going to have available to him. We already know Darnell Mooney's out for the rest of the year. Chase Claypool, he didn't practice today. He's a bit of a question mark. Hasn't really been that involved anyway. So are you depending upon Equinomia, St. Brown, Byron Pringle? You're going to be leaning on Cole Komet. But this is a tough defense to get anything through the air going. But why is he by QB7? We know he is going to run. And that offers up a bigger floor to ceiling ratio than a Mike White, who I've ranked right behind him, a Kirk Cousins, a Trevor Lawrence, Tyler Huntley, who can give you nothing really through the air, Geno Smith, a tough matchup. Justin Fields, since week six, he's been the QB1 overall. Week six through week 13. Because they had to buy week 14. QB1 overall has been Justin Fields. He's one of the reasons you're here. I don't know if you're in a position to have a better option than Justin Fields. Unless you have maybe Justin Herbert. 
Like maybe he picked up Fields because Herbert was struggling early in the in the year. I mean, that's the only thing I can even think of. So you have to play him. And I have him locked in as a top eight quarterback this week because of what he can give you with his legs. I on that same game have locked in Miles Sanders. I actually I could have probably put him as an obvious starter. He's my RB six heading into this week. You love it against Chicago. You love what he's been able to do to this point. It's a little bit hit or miss. Like one week it's Miles Sanders. Next week they got to get Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott. Or maybe sometimes Jalen Hurts will just kind of cut into his work, cut into his touchdown ability. Yes, sure. But Miles Sanders averaging over five yards to carry this year, having his best year as a pro, and a great match against Chicago, who offensively might not put much pressure on this Philadelphia Eagle team. Love it. Love it. Locking in, probably obvious starting, Miles Sanders. I got him as an RB6 this week. I also got Najee Harris coming in at RB10 for me this week and locking him in as a top 10 option. Haven't done that too often this year. Go against Carolina Panthers. Good opportunity to do that. And his volume has been there. Oh, by the way, if they do have to play a Mitchell Trubisky or they do have to play a Mason Rudolph, just more reason to suspect that they will lean more on the running game in this one, too. But on the flip side of that, Donta Foreman. I'm locking him in as an RB2. Now, he's a little bit lower down my list. He's at RB21, but I'm still locking him in as a top 24 in your lineup as your RB2 play. Very strong flex play if you already have two good running backs anyway. Now, there is some risk to this. Last two weeks, been more of a 54-36 split there with Chuba Hubbard on the ground. It is the 13th best matchup that a running back could have against the Pittsburgh Steelers, so it's a little bit above average. That's the good news there. But with that kind of a split with Hubbard and the fact that you have the threat of a negative game script situation, and this isn't necessarily for this week, but any given week, to where Chuba Hubbard is going to get more work in the passing game. And even Blackshear might get some work too. So this is the one downfall for Donta Foreman. If Carolina is not able to stay in a neutral or pro game script, and stick with their physical running game that they do want to do. That, that is what they go in the games wanting to do. But if they're not able to stick with that because they fall behind, well, then it becomes a little more Hubbard. Comes a little more Blackshear. And that's where we can see the floor kind of get ripped out from under Foreman. So just something to keep in mind. The good news is for this week, I'm not really worried about that. A Trubisky or Rudolph-led offense for a Steeler team that has been able to score touchdowns regardless who the quarterback is anyway I'm not too worried about Carolina falling behind by any significant amount. So that's the good news here, and that's why we're locking him in as an RB2. I also have Devonta Smith. He should be locked in at least as a flex play. And he could be a wide I got him as wide receiver 25. He's hanging on the cusp of that wide receiver two. I thought I was going to have him a little bit higher. He doesn't have the same upside as some of these other guys. Because when they have when the Eagles have matchups like this, where there's there's far and away the superior team. You'll likely see A.J. Brown get his. You'll see the running game get theirs. And then when Dallas Goddard's out, you'll see Devonta Smith get his. But there's a real chance, and we're about to talk about that in a second, that Dallas Goddard is going to be back this week. And so I think that hinders Devonta Smith as far as his target floor more so than it does A.J. Brown or anything else going on in that offense. So that's why it falls down a little bit for me, but still against Chicago, a very strong flex play this week. 
I'm locking in Chris Olave as a top 14 wide receiver. You love the match against the Atlanta Falcons, first and foremost. You love his target share. Haven't always loved the quarterback play. Haven't always loved the quality of targets that he's been able to see. But Chris Olave has worked his butt off to make the most out of every opportunity he's had so far this season. And he's usually put up some good games when they do have plus matchups. Which is exactly what they have against the Atlanta Falcons this week. Also locking in Garrett Wilson as a top 12 wide receiver. That's right. Lowen wide receiver one. Welcome to the party, Garrett Wilson. Well, first of all, it's the Detroit Lions. <laughs> so not much else need to be said there. And then it's Mike White. The volume. This guy was in and out of the lineup. He still threw the ball 42 times. And it doesn't matter. Even, even they're, Yes, they were behind against Buffalo last week. But even when they're ahead, Mike White's throwing the ball 40-plus times a game right now. It doesn't matter. I've said it every single week. I'll keep saying it again. As long as Zach Wilson's not the starting quarterback, the Jets are a pass-first team. Garrett Wilson's a big reason for that. So, yes, I know. Elijah Moore got a few extra targets than he did last week. So what? There's a good chance Corey Davis misses this game. So we might have some target consolidation on a high-volume passing attack. Against Detroit, it's a perfect storm. Perfect storm for Garrett Wilson to kick off your fantasy football playoffs. Lock him in as a top 12 wide receiver. Okay, let's go to the tight end. So this one, I want to get into Dallas Goddard here. So he does come in as my tight end six this week. I'm locking him in there. Yes, a mid-level tight end one, his first week back off of IR. I do not care. He's been a top five tight end until he got hurt. He's got more of a floor-to-ceiling ratio than any of those guys. Matchup and offense consolidation. I have more faith in a Dallas Goddard than I do a Pat Fryermuth, a David Njoku, a Gerald Everett, a Greg Dolchich, a Darren Waller, an Evan Ingram, or the list of guys I have right behind him. You're playing a Dallas Goddard this week. Pat Fryermuth. Sullivan's tight end seven. You're locking him in as long as he's playing. He did miss practice today with a foot issue. Now, he was quick to say that he plans on playing this week and doesn't seem it's going to hinder him. And I haven't really seen the coaching staff say anything different either. So when both the player and the coaching staff sound like they're on the same page, I said there's a pretty good chance he's going to be able to play. And he got hurt early in the game on Sunday, which is why his production fell off after the first quarter. But he was still able to finish the game. So we still expect him to be available for your team's this week. And that explains why his snap count went down to Zach Gentry in that game as well. We're not too worried about that being the case this week if he, in fact, is healthy enough to go. That does it for our lock of Let's talk about our lookout for. Look out for. I've mentioned his name in passing throughout this show. Mike White is my QB8. You might say I'm crazy. I know he's dealing with the rib issue, and I will point out again, he threw the ball 42 times last week, so I don't really care. <laughs> Robert Sala, very confident that Mike White's going to be available this week, too. I have him ahead of Kirk Cousins. I have him ahead of Trevor Lawrence. I have him ahead of Geno Smith. Ahead of Tua Tagalavoa. Who else do you want to throw out there? It's the Detroit freaking Lions. Need I say more? And it's Detroit Lions in New York. On the road, where the defense of the Jets should probably be giving them some extra opportunities. 
Yeah, I'm all about Mike White in DFS. I'm all about him in your fantasy football playoffs. He is the number one streaming quarterback for me if he's still, in fact, available on your waiver wire. Huntley's been more available, so that's why I made him my number one technically waiver wire guy streaming option because he's more available than Mike White is. But I would not be fearful to play Mike White this week in this matchup if you've been dealing with low-end streaming QB1 options. With the volume that he has, the weapons that he has, and the matchup that he has, he's got a very nice floor-to-ceiling ratio. At the running back position, look out for the Falcons' backfield. Normally speaking, I have Cordell Patterson and Tyler Algier, at least one of them ranked inside the top 36, if not both. I have neither this week. And it's not because the match against the Saints is that scary. It's because they're using three to four running backs. It's because we don't know exactly what the game plan is with Desmond Ritter at the quarterback position. It could go one of two ways. It could be it could be super beneficial for Cordero Patterson. Maybe Arthur Smith leans on his explosiveness more to help out the offense to create some bigger plays. Maybe Desmond Ritter checks the ball down more and Patterson actually gets more involved in the passing game. Or maybe they decide they're going to go young and mail it in for the season and go Algier and see what Ritter can do with London and just call it a day. Just like, we're just going to go young and get ready for next year. They could go either option. It's interesting, though. I, I don't think Patterson falls off the, the wayside because, strangely enough, because the NFC South is so bad this year, the Falcons technically have a shot. So because of that, I don't know if they'll definitely just go full young. But either way, we need to we'll see this thing play out for a week before you can trust, especially in the playoffs. I'm not dropping Patterson, but I sure as heck am not trying to play him this week either. Oh, and then we get the almighty Alvin Kamara. Look out for Alvin Kamara. I had asked this question on social media two weeks ago. I said, look, when we get to the first round of the playoffs, which we're here today, are you going to trust to play Alvin Kamara with the lack of usage? And most people answered yes, which is you know probably the right decision, but there were some people who answered no. And I couldn't blame them. I don't think Alvin Kamara's fallen off. So for those of you out there that are of the mindset that Alvin Kamara is just not the same player anymore. I have plenty of efficiency metrics to, to say otherwise. He, I, physically, he's fine. And we've seen it this year when he's actually given the opportunity he should have, he produces. He was doing more so in the early in the season when they actually had an offensive line that could block. That's also been part of it. Part of it's been tough matchups the past few weeks too. But the most maddening aspect has been his lack of involvement in the passing game, and why Mark Ingram had to play as much as he did. Well, now Mark Ingram's out of the picture. David Johnson's not going to have the same role as Mark Ingram. It's not going to happen. So with Kamara definitely going to see more looks than he's seen the past three weeks at a matchup against Atlanta, I have him ranked as RB13. So he, he could have went in my lock him in segment if I wanted to. I, I got to put him to look out for because I do think this is going to create some controversy here on social media. I'm sure I'll hear about it at Billy BMDFF show. Bring it on. I don't care. I'm playing Alvin Kamara with confidence. He has a better opportunity to get back to the opportunities 
that he was having earlier in the season between weeks one through eight, where he had 22 to 23. The problem has been over the past six weeks, he's had only about 15 opportunities. It's a drastic drop. I suspect without Ingram in the mix, it'll go closer to that 20-ish range. As long as that's the case, especially in good matchups like Atlanta, I think we can trust Alma Kamara again. To at least be somebody who needs to be in your lineup. Look out for Zonovan Knight, who does come in as my RB24 this week. Now, I know Detroit, for over the past month, has been better against the run. It's actually been frustrating, in fact, because you've been looking at this as a matchup where you lick your chops, and all of a sudden now, your running backs are not producing like they should against Detroit. When you're going to throw the ball as much as the Jets are and likely be able to move the ball through the air as much as the Jets are, it sets up scoring opportunities. Zonovan Knight is the first down, second down, goal line, short yardage back, no doubt about it. And some evidence last week, Michael Carter was just getting back from his injury, so that might have been part of it, but some evidence last week that maybe he's just the workhorse back altogether. There's there's a possibility. We, we just saw that, too. I'm while Detroit's been better against the run, I'm not afraid to play running backs against Detroit. Let's, let's not get it twisted here. I'm not afraid to play my guys against Detroit. Especially the scoring opportunities he's going to have. So Zonovan Knight, again, RB24. I do have him as a low end RB2 heading into this week. Look out for the look out for the Detroit backfield on the other side. I got DeAndre Swift at RB26. He's one spot behind Jamal Williams. I'm going off of what the usage was the week before. And we only had one week since week one that DeAndre Swift had more snaps and more opportunities than Jamal Williams. That's it. And I'll, I'll admit it. I was one of the guys who got excited last week. I was one of the guys who came in and got uber excited that DeAndre Swift was on the up and up and on the upswing and finally got his snaps back and looked physically great, looked explosive. And then what happened? That Wednesday, he wound up on the injury report with an ankle issue. Now, it wasn't anything that was affecting him for the game status, and he did get a full practice session in by the end of the week. But I brought up the analogy. If he sneezes wrong, they limit him. There's something else going on here that we don't know about. There's the only explanation for it, but the fact is you have to sit here. You can't trust Swift as anything more than a boom or bust flex play. Because who knows what usage you're going to get. If he practices in full all week, maybe you got a shot where he gets a full workload again. I do think there's a decent chance Detroit's going to have to come back from behind in this game. Again, this is not the same team on the road they are at home. But single-digit touches again last week? He can't be considered anything more than RB3. And in Jamal Williams' case... High in RB3, again, leading scorer in the league, leading, leading touchdown rusher in the league. Last week was the first week in forever that he didn't score. So he has that opportunity. So he has to be considered at least a flex play in his own right. But just keep in mind, if he doesn't score, it's an ugly floor. It's a real ugly floor. So do with that what you will. But still a high-end RB3 nonetheless with his touchdown opportunities that he does receive. Look out for wide receivers. Look out for Drake London. I am higher than the ECR is on Drake London. I got him all the way up at my wide receiver 27. Some people think that might be showing too much confidence in Desmond Ritter. 
I'm, I'll be the first to tell you, I have no confidence in Desmond Ritter ever being a franchise quarterback. That's not what this is. What this is, is the, the, the trend of rookie quarterbacks locking on to their number one targets. That's what the trend is here for me. First of all, he's got nobody else to throw the ball to. London is coming off a 10 target performance right before they went on by. You're Desmond Ritter. The game's going fast for you as a rookie. You're looking at your hot read. The hot read should be Drake London. I'm going off of that. I'm going off the idea that London has a safe volume floor. And I know logic has not always applied to Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. I understand that. I think it does apply when you have a rookie quarterback and you're going to be looking to limit how much of the field that they are seeing. So I'm going to take that shot. I'm going to have Drake London as my wide receiver. 27, show a little confidence in him this week. What about the Steeler wide receivers? Look out for them. George Pickens is my wide receiver, 36. He just makes the cut of the graphic. You'll notice Deontay Johnson, who I've consistently ranked below George Pickens, isn't even on the graphic. Now, that might change. I might be flipping Deontay Johnson and George Pickens if we know for sure Kenny Pickett's not going to play this week. Because as I said in Sunday Funday Recap, Pickens is Pickett's guy. If it's Trubisky, if it's Mason Rudolph, that's going to favor Deontay Johnson. They'll take more deeper shots to him. He'll keep his volume up. That'll benefit him. So I will flip-flop them once this thing becomes official. That's not going to be Kenny Pickett at the quarterback position. But just listen to the names I just brought up. Mitchell Trubisky and Mason Rudolph splitting first-team reps. That's where the Steelers are at with Mitchell Trubisky. That's how little confidence they have in him. They are now giving their third-string quarterback a shot to potentially start over him. Now, with Rudolph, we know what to expect. Lots of targets to Deontay Johnson. Nothing down the field. It's almost going to feel as though the Steelers' offense really doesn't change. But there's nothing in the way of a ceiling, which is why ultimately, no matter who it is, a quarterback, these guys are not anything more than low-end wide receiver threes, more likely wide receiver fours in your book, Emergency Flex Plays. So I don't really want to play a Steelers receiver if I can at all help it, especially if Pickett's not the quarterback, because then I don't even want to play Pickens inside my top 36. Then we got DJ Moore. What do we do about DJ Moore? Comes in my wide receiver 32. And I feel like that's I feel like that's kind of ballsy of me. Now the injury, the ankle injury at least offers up some explanation as to why he went the entire game on Sunday with no catches and only three targets. After I had been touting up the idea, well, Sam Darnold could mean pepper targets for DJ Moore. I touted him as a top 20 wide receiver, and I was so, so wrong. Thought the match was good. The volume should have been there. Couldn't couldn't have been further from the truth. I'm hoping the ankle injury had something to do with it. It's hard for me to imagine, coming off a season where Darnold did pepper DJ Moore, it's hard for me to imagine that we're looking at Baker Mayfield level usage, as in three to six targets in a game with Darnold at the quarterback position. It's hard for me to picture that. Doesn't mean I can trust him. But given his talent and the opportunity that logically should be there, he still comes in my wide receiver 32. Let's get to our be cautious of for these matchups. 
Be cautious of. So be cautious of Desmond Ritter. I have noticed some people are ranking him in a location in which you would be tempted into potentially streaming him. Yes, he does use his legs. Yes, he did run a 4-5-3-40, which was the fastest amongst the quarterbacks this past year. Yes, he's a rookie who's going to have probably one read, maybe a check down, tuck it and go situation. Sure. I There's a lot of things about Desmond Ritter I was not a fan of. His, his arm talent, for one, in the NFL. His ability to process, for two. Like a guy like Tyler Huntley... Yeah, he's not really a thrower, but we had already seen him come in, use his legs first and foremost, and give you that fantasy floor. You're in the fantasy football playoffs. Maybe Desmond Ritter does do that for you. Maybe he doesn't. We have no data on the guy. Am I supposed to trust this guy as a streaming option? My first week of the fantasy football playoffs? I don't think so. And that's why I have him ranked as a QB 17 and somebody you should not be considering. The other guy I want to be cautious of might make your jaw drop even further. That's Jared Goff. I have Jared Goff as my QB 18 this week. I am not even sniffing him in my starting lineup if I can at all help it. The Jets, first and foremost, are the eighth worst defense against opposing quarterbacks and by far the best defense the Lions have faced in five weeks. But there's more than that. There's this home road split. And it's going to be cold in Jersey this Sunday. Might even be a little bit of snow. Jared Goff has not been good outdoors ever in his career. Never in the cold, especially. Even with the Rams. And the home road split is ridiculous this year. He averages over two yards less per air target. Per air attempt, I should say went on the road versus at home. He has a 6.8% touchdown rate at home. On the road, 1.6% touchdown rate. He's awful on the road. I'm not going to trust him in New Jersey against the Jets defense that's really good this year. No way. Do not play Jared Goff in your fantasy football playoffs. Don't play him DFS either while you're at it. Chuba Hubbard, yeah, I'm going to be cautious of him this week. He's interesting as an emergency flex, but in a week in which you don't have buys, you shouldn't need him as an emergency flex. And as I pointed out before, maybe you'd have more upside if I thought this game was a potential game script where it would be very negative for Carolina would have to come back from behind in the second half. That should not be the case against the Steelers. It should be pretty close throughout the the game. That should benefit Donta Foreman. Uh, You're not playing any Chicago wide receivers. Don't get swept up in Jamison Williams. I know he had that one real pretty bomb last week, and he was, you know, really nice for that standpoint. Does put up fantasy points in the box score. Still the fourth receiver as far as snaps. Uh, We're not trusting Jamison Williams at all. And then Elijah Moore. So Elijah Moore is interesting, especially if Corey Davis misses. And it's Detroit Lions. It's a great matchup. Everything on paper seems to be lining up. He had a couple more targets than Garrett Wilson last week. Finally looked like he's getting more involved into the game plan of this offense and getting to play more slot wide receiver, which we do really like him there too. Here's the problem. This is why he's my be cautious of and I don't have him in your lineups. We only have one game. (laughs) We only have one game this year where Elijah Moore was actually more involved than Garrett Wilson. 
if the DeAndre Swift lesson teaches us anything is that just because a player is really good and he finally shows you some life in his usage, that does not mean that's exactly what it's going to be for the rest of the season. We got to be careful about who we're taking shots on when you're in the playoffs. In fact, I want to take very, very few shots on guys that we don't have enough data on. Just a general rule of thumb. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Elijah Moore goes out there and he proves that he can be a, a 1A, 1B with Garrett Wilson in a great match against Detroit. It's definitely possible. I'll take some shots on it for DFS. But in your playoffs, we got one game of it. Can't trust it. So ultimately, I'll pick him up. If you're on a bye week, I'll pick him up. But I'm not picking him up to play him this week. We need to see it first. We need to see it at least two weeks before I can sit there and say, okay, we can go back to Elijah Moore again in your lineups. And then, of course, last but not least, Tyler Conklin. He just gets too much work taken away with CJ Usama there. That's going to do it for today's show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern. I'll have Chris Dahauer with me and Brian Scott for that show. It'll be our second half fantasy football playoff preview for week 15. We're trying to get you through these playoffs. Make sure you're following us on social media at MDFF Show. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and keep up to date with the show when you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us that five-star review. I'm always your host, Dan Mayer, and I hope you guys have a wonderful evening, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 